بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وبعد قال الله عز وجل لا تجد قوما يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله ولو كانوا آباءهم أو بناءهم أو إخوانهم أو عشيرتهم أولئك كتب في قلوبهم الإيمان وأيدهم بروح منه ويدخلهم جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه أولئك حزب الله ألا إن حزب الله هم المفلحون صدق الله العظيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته My dear respected brothers and uh, elders and uh, youngsters and friends It's actually really awesome to be sitting somewhere where the entire audience I think I know not a single soul It feels very strange, subhanAllah, I was really excited. Last night I, I didn't sleep properly because I was so excited. And now when I'm looking at the crowd, I know absolutely no, oh, I just found one. He was sitting with me, he left earlier, he returned. May Allah bless him. It makes me feel a little more comfortable. But nonetheless, Jazakumullahu khayran for having us. We finally made it. I don't know if they mentioned it or not, but it was a little delay there. And then the brother that they sent us to pick us up from the airport, he was delayed. And then he tried to take the exit to come to here. And then we got lost, so we were more delayed. And it just kept getting even more delayed. But alhamdulillah, we made it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward those that have made. Allah ta'ala has made them a means of making this happen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you folks for being here tonight as well. Now, to cut to the chase and to try to stay on task and remain on the theme of the discussion as much as possible, coupled with everything that Sheikh Azimuddin just mentioned about, you know, one of the beautiful things that I noticed, which we don't find in conferences, at least north of the border very often, is that the talk is given, a very fiery talk is given, a very wonderful address is given, a very amazing lecture is delivered, but very seldom is there that little bit of persuasion, that little bit of tashkil, uh, what we call in tabligh, that's done at the end, regardless what the talk may be, regardless what the theme of the discussion is at hand, regardless what's being spoken about, the purpose of all of these talks and all of these seminars and all of these conferences and all of this that's happening all over the world is one. The purpose of all of these, in case you didn't know, is one. And I'm not making this up, of course. I've heard it from our teachers, or they heard it from their teachers, or we've heard it from some giants. The purpose of all of this is one. It's waslul khalq ma'al khaliq. To connect us, the creation, with Allah, the Creator. So after we finish here, if we feel ever more connected to Allah, this program, this conference, this Sira conference in particular, was a wonderful success. If we don't feel that connection, if we don't feel any closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then everything that we do, be it the Fajr Salah that we perform so tomorrow morning too, be it the dhikr that we make maybe a hundred times or two, whatever it may be, it needs to connect us. We need to start doing it to connect with Allah. That's the purpose of all this. It's not, one of the other scholars said, that it's not, uh, what was it? It's not information that we're here to attain, to acquire. It's transformation that we're looking for. And it's not a, what did he say? He said it beautifully. This isn't something that should be done because it's rituality. Every year, Darussalam, and this, you know, I'm trying to like 
this, 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 the structure of this place is just, subhanAllah, mind-boggling. The person that brought me inside, he asked me, don't you want a tour of the place? I told him it's not going to be possible to get a tour done in a few minutes. It seems like it's going to take, mashallah, some time. But it's not rituality that we're looking for. It's not that every year, at this time of the year, Darus Salaam is going to hold or host a retreat or a Sita conference. So we're going to come, we're going to attend. Many people came, it was wonderful, it was excellent. We go home, no. It's spirituality that we're looking for. Not rituality, but instead it's spirituality. Nonetheless, again, with everything that was already mentioned, only to, to, you know, to couple with whatever was already said, amongst the tasks that Rasulullah was commissioned with, amongst the jobs, the duties and responsibilities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had sent him into this world with, was instilling this worry, this concern, this restlessness this into the hearts of those that he molded, those that he groomed, those that he grounded, and those that he trained. And they, they we know, and every one of us here unanimously agrees, because this is the aqeed of, of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, they were the best of, of, of people. And after the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam, they were the best of those that Allah gifted to any, any Nabi that came into this world. Of all the companions of any prophet that was ever sent into this world, the greatest were the companions of Rasulullah So how was that same worry and concern transferred from Rasul to the Sahaba in a very short period of time? Sometimes they've only spent a few moments with Rasulullah yet this worry, this concern, Ya Rasulullah allow me to go back exactly to where I've come from and I want to I wanna share what I have with others too. So what I'm going to focus on in the, in, in the time that I have is whatever Allah has blessed you with, whatever Allah has gifted you with, whatever Allah has showered upon every single one of us that's here, use this to help establish the deen of Allah. Use your talent, your skills, your abilities. If you've got the gift of the gab, if you've got whatever it may be, you know how to do something, you're good at something, you've got a status amongst the people, you can have an influence, you leave an impact on people's hearts. Use whatever it may be. If Allah's given you multiple talents and skills, abilities and traits, qualities and characteristics, use it all to help establish the deen of Allah. You know, a couple of years ago when that announcement was made, I'm going to take my talent to South Beach or to Miami. It's a very big announcement that was made. What talent? What talent? He's going to take his talent of putting a ball inside of a I'm a huge basketball fan. I'm not clowning on the game, not at all. I'm, I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a bandwagon Bulls fan, as a matter of fact. You guys took our sacrificial lamb, put him on your team, and he's in the MVP race all of a sudden. DeRozan. But nevertheless, so he makes this announcement that he's going to take his talent. Right, he knows his worth, he knows the man does have game as much as, you know, I don't appreciate it, but he's got game. Why don't we take the talent that Allah has blessed us with and help use it to establish Allah's deen on the earth? You know, people that do great things in life, they use what they have. They don't do anything that's like extra, I don't know, supernatural. And they use what they have. Whether it's the effort, whether it's the time, whether it's the mind, whether it's the connections. I got plugs. Use your plug to connect people, to plug people with Allah. Use that. Like youngsters have time. 
oh boy, did this generation have time. We used to think watching basketball, sitting down watching basketball was like, you know, a waste of time. They spend hours, well, I mean, I love youngsters. I spent all my time with them approximately, I mean, majority of the time. But they spend time on like TikTok. Ya la fasada dhok. TikTok. They spend their, anyways. I don't want to sound like this monster, but use what Allah has given to you to help establish Allah's deen. That's it. I'm going to give you examples over the next so many minutes or whatever time. I'm going to give you examples of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. I feel uh, 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 not offended, but I feel bad for myself having to compare what that great galaxy of luminaries, legends, what they did, what they invested, what they put on the line for the deen of Allah versus what we're probably going to have to ask some of the youth today to invest. But hey, if that's what's beloved to you, that's a great investment indeed. If that's what you are so closely attached to, leave some of it, use. It may be time, again, it may be a connection, it may be connections, it may be your status, it may be, I don't know what it is, because for every single one of us it's different. For someone it might be something, for Sahaba radiallahu anhum it was never the same. So it's not going to be the same for us. But whatever we have, whatever we have, this is how Rasulullah was trained the Sahaba, and it's mind-boggling that in such a short period of time, he's already understood that this now is my job. He could have very frankly been like, you the prophet of God, you was commissioned by God, you need to go and continue the mission, I got your back. No! Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to go right back to my people because I know I've got a status amongst them. I'm going to use this status that Allah has given to me. I'm chief. I'm the boss. I'm the leader. I'm going to go back to these people. I'm going to let them know what's good. When I tell them I ain't talking to a single one of you until every one of you believes in Allah too. Allahu Akbar. Really? Like, what? you know that's not easy. You know when, what was his name of Rome? Heraclius tried that? They almost killed him inside of his ain't, what, what was it, the Colosseum? Or wherever those monarchs used to sit with all due respect. They almost killed him there and then. But Sahaba radiallahu anhum did it. For the deen of Allah, we down? We'll do anything. What is it, our time you're asking for, Ya Rasulullah? Our time. We're about to put our life, lives on the line. That is what is being asked of us. And again, nobody's going to ask of you your life. Nobody's going to ask of me my life. Allah knows we weak and feeble. Allah is just going to ask you, take some of that time that you were given to TikTok for Allah's sake and use it to like inspire somebody, inspire yourself perhaps. Just mentioned, use it to inspire yourself to get closer to Allah. But this was Rasulullah's vision. This is his mission. How every single one of these human beings that has come to the... And Rasulullah, the examples of his restlessness, his worry, his concern for the plight of this ummah, they know no end. But then there come the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, okay? So they've been trained by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi He leaves Ta'if. Ta'if, notorious. Those people, oh, they literally, metaphorically, left no stone unturned or untouched in persecuting and harming Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi We all know Ta'if. They, they, they Ta'ifis. So, Banu Thaqif, Banu Hawazin. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi leaves. And as he's coming... A man by the name of Urwa bin Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Urwa bin Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. He was that individual that was sent by the Quraysh to go and see what the Prophet ﷺ was all about. 
And he went, and mind you, he had been to some big courts. He'd seen the Jashi, he'd seen the Caesar, he'd seen the Kisra, he'd seen this and that, the monarchs, the ruler, rulers, the kings. Nonetheless, he comes to Rasulullah wasallam, and he sees like love, reverence, a bond, a connection, the likes of which he's never witnessed in his life. And then he goes back and he tells his people, hey, I've been everywhere, but what I saw there, I've never seen in my life. They literally fight one another to go rush to catch the spit that comes out from the Mubarak mouth of Rasulullah He orders, they rush to execute. Rasulullah they sit in his presence and so still motionless do they sit that the birds, I mean, this is impossible to think about, birds come and perch on their backs and he goes on describing the love with which Rasulullah and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum are in attendance. Nonetheless, Arwa bin Mas'ud, he runs after the Prophet He accepts Islam on that occasion. And, I mean, you just accepted Islam. Take it easy. Go learn something. You might want to learn something about Islam first, but no. Ya Rasulullah I believe in you. You the messenger of God. And I want to go and share this message with my people too. Now, the Prophet ﷺ tells him, Urwa, they're going to kill you. Your people are crazy. They are going to kill you. Probably not the smartest of ideas to go back now. You might just want to hold off. He says, no, Ya Rasulullah, I want to go. I want to go to my people. You know, in that Josh, sometimes you got to tame and discipline and ground yourself otherwise he said I'm going Urwa bin Mas'ud comes to his people and he publicly announces at the top of his voice he goes and he's like standing on his balcony and they start firing arrows at him and one of these arrows strikes him in one of his arteries and he starts to bleed profusely and one of them asks, what about your blood now? He says, it's all good. I'm about to meet my martyrdom. And this martyrdom of mine is going to be similar to the martyrdom of those who were martyred fighting alongside the Prophet So after I'm gone, you bury me along with those people. That's my blood. Blood? <laughs> That's my blood. You asked about my blood. In one narration, Ibn Ishaq rahimahullah mentioned, Rasulullah said his example was like the example of, amongst his people, was like the exam, example of Habib, Habib Najjar in Surah Yasin. Even when he's being killed, you guys know his story, it's a very famous one. The messengers came, warned the people, and then they didn't listen. And then this man came and tried to tell these people, you need to listen. These are divine messengers of God. They've come to you with nothing but the truth. They said, nah, you guys are, no, no, you guys are liars, you guys are like this. And they started hurling all these comments at them. He says, but listen, anyways, they pounced on him until they killed him. While he's dying... I mean, imagine this. You're dying at the hands of these people that have just killed you and you're hoping that Allah would have some mercy on these people. I wish these people knew. I wish Allah would have guided these people. He's got a worry and concern. He could have invested this in anything else. 
He could have used this worry and concern. It's genuine. Oh, is it legitimate? He's used it for what? To wish well for the same people that have just about killed him. This is Rasulullah worry and concern. The same which Rasulullah transferred to the Sahaba as well. Whatever they had, Abu Bakr anhu, another example. Abu Bakr anhu is the man, by the way, let us put it down. He is the man. You know, sometimes we get, I mean, with all due respect, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn Khattab anhu, we kind of put Abu Bakr anhu, sadly, we don't, we don't appreciate and acknowledge everything that he did for Islam. Forgetting that, you know, during his time, there is chaos in the ummah. There's the army of Usama that needs to be dispatched. There's these people that have left the fold of Islam, the Murtaddeen. There's wars, the Ridda wars against them. There's those that have refused to give zakat, looking for concessions in the deen. There's all the false prophets that have all of a sudden come and they started their own business. The Musaylamas, the Sajjahs, or the Tulayha Asadis, and the Aswad Ansis, all of these people. And then there's the Romans and the Persians. All of this is happening. Had it not been for this rock of steadfastness, Oh, Allah knows what Islam would have been today. Had it not been Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Anyhow, so Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he's got a reputation amongst the people. A great one. He's got this, he's, he's got this energy with him. People come to him. People do business with him. People confide in him. So when he accepts at the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi what does he choose to do now? He decides, all of these people that have confided in him, I've got a status that I hold with these people. Let me use that to the advantage of the deen of Allah. These people trust me. They want to confide in me. They want to do business with me. That's awesome. Now let me share a little something with them too. Something that's far greater than anything, anything else in this world. Let me share with them the worry, the restlessness of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi so he starts to call. Hey, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. He starts to call these people towards Islam. Who does he bring? I'm sure we all know. He brings Uthman bin Affan radiallahu anhu. I mean, if you had nobody else under your belt but this Uthman bin Affan, you made it. He brings who else? Talha bin Ubaidillah. He brings Abdurrahman ibn Awf. He brings Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. Zubair ibn al-Awwam. These five, unanimously. These five, they came when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu did the same as Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam did with him. He decided, I'm going to use what I have to help establish the deen of Allah on this earth. That's what's demanded from us. That's what every single one of us needs to do. Again, I don't know what it's going to be for you. I, you don't know what it's going to be for me. What what am I able to use? What am I able to invest? What am I able to, 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 to put down for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's the question. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he's got one slave by the name of Asbaq. So Asbaq was not a Muslim, he's a Christian as a matter of fact. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he asked him to become a Muslim. And he said, I want you to be the one to safeguard my trusts. And because the people entrust me with their trusts, I don't want to leave those things in your trust if you're not a Muslim. I want you to become a Muslim first. Umar ibn Khattab said this to Asbaq. So it'd be nice if you became a Muslim. Asbaq's like, nah, I'll pass. I'm not interested. Umar ibn Khattab said, all right, la ikraha fi deen. 
There's no compulsion in the religion. You can't, you can't put a gun to somebody's head and be like, you better become a Muslim too. No. It's like, all right, that's fine. So later on, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu's about to leave this world. He's on his deathbed. And he calls him. He said, Asbaq, you know what? You're free, man. Go, go to whoever you want. Basically, I'm about to leave this world. Asbaq left, then became a Muslim. But now look. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu uses this connection, perhaps a promotion, to try and inspire this individual, connect him with Allah. Let me give you another example from, from Amir al-Mu'mineen radiallahu anhu's life himself. The other slave, we've all heard of his name, Aslam. Aslam on one occasion, they're returning from Sham. Umar radiallahu anhu requests Aslam to bring for him some water with which he performs wudu. Aslam brings it. And I'm sure Umar radiallahu anhu tastes the water as well. So he asks Aslam, he says, Aslam, where'd you get this from? I never taste water so sweet, like not rainwater, nothing like this. He says, I got it from this old Christian lady. Umar radiallahu anhu said, okay, so we go and pay a visit to the old Christian lady. And Umar radiallahu anhu goes to return the favor, but with what? I've got a favor, I'm indebted to her. Let me offer her something that's far greater than a little bit of water that she offered to us. Why don't you believe that there's no God but Allah and Muhammad وسلم, is his messenger? She says, she, she begins to expose her hair to Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar radiallahu She says, but I'm old, I'm like, I'm gonna die soon. I don't, I'm not gonna be around for too long. Umar radiallahu says, oh Allah, be my witness. Whether it's a cup or a bit of water that's presented to him, he's going to take advantage of this opportunity to what? To connect somebody else with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any opportunity that we find, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Frankly, it's not an option. This is the job, the duty, the responsibility of every single one of us. We, the representatives, the deputies or the vice chairs of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that's what we were expected to do. That's what's... What's supposed to be done? We're supposed to use what Allah has given to us to help establish Allah's deen on this earth. But instead, contrary to this, and Muftisab mentioned it amazingly, we know exactly where we've invested what. We know how much of my time, how much of my mind, how much of my strength, my abilities, capabilities, my talents, my whatever it is, how much of this is invested into what we all know, and there's no need to point fingers at anybody but ourselves, we know, and how much of whatever Allah has given to me have I used for the deen of Allah? So Allah's deen shines. So perhaps we may be able to see some glory, like glory was once seen by the Muslims that once roamed the earth, and not what unfortunately we see today. Sadly, it's a pity, but it is what it is. So maybe once we start, I start, doing something for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we see a change. Moving forward, a few more examples. So, As'ad bin Zurara, the cousin of Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu anhu. Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, oh, he's a big man. Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, I mean, we don't like normally say he's my favorite or, you know, but I don't know if this is right. There's probably some muftis sitting here anyways. They correct me later on if they'd like, but he my favorite sahabi after like, oh my goodness. Saad bin Mu'adh, in case you didn't know, he's 30 when he becomes Muslim, 30 years old. 
and he's 36 when he leaves this world. So he's a Muslim for six years. I've been Muslim for way longer than that, my whole life. So when he died, though, the hadith of Sahih Bukhari, لَقَدْ اِحْتَزَّ عَرُشِ الرَّحْمَانِ بِقَتْلِ سَعْدِ بْنُ When he died, that individual that was Muslim for six years died. But what quality of Islam did he possess? Allah's arsh shook. Six years of Islam. Some of us have many more than six years. So according to one narration, the Sahaba came to be present at his janazah. And Rasulullah was present there too. And he's walking on his tippy toes and Sahaba, whose curiosity was just so awesome, they're like, Ya Rasulullah, what is this? We ain't seen something like this before. It's like, yeah, there's way too many malaika, angels present here for his janazah. And then when they buried him, with every handful of soil that they put back inside the grave of Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, they could smell this fragrant fragrance coming with every single handful of soil. A man, radiallahu anhu, who's been Muslim, was only Muslim for six years. Nonetheless, but you can imagine right from, from A-Day, right from the get-go, what kind of Muslim he must have been. He a chief. He's a leader. Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, radiallahu anhu. Banu Abdul Ashal, the name of his people. We know Musa bin Umayr, radiallahu anhu, along with, uh, so Asad bin Zurara, Yes, these two individuals, they would come to Medina Al-Munawwara and they'd start, you know, inviting people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ultimately, they get to Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu anhu. And at first, he's not having it. And he's, no, no, I'm not, no. I'm not going to entertain whatever it is. You people have come here and you're trying to like divide people and you're trying to cause ruckus in this town. And no, no. But anyways, the second time he comes around, he issues him a warning the first time. He's a little more lenient. your name so so the second time he comes around whoa um Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu anhu then uh Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu anhu we're gonna fast forward perhaps the next uh, everything until we finish Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu anhu ultimately embraces Islam and when he embraces Islam he goes right back to Banu Abdul Ashal and he didn't let him know that he was a Muslim beforehand. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell him that I've become a Muslim. He goes and he tells him, Hey people, guess what? Sa'ad's become a Muslim. And what do you people think of Sa'ad? They said, you are the most honored, the most revered, respected, the one who's been gifted with the most farsightedness and the best of opinion amongst us. In other words, you the man, hands down. So, Sa'ad then says, well, if that's the case, then I vow not to talk to a single one of you until all the men, the women, the young and the old also embrace Islam. I've got this impact, this influence over this, this group of people. That's what I'm going to invest in. That's what's expected of us. That's what every single one of us should... We should have been doing this to help Allah's deen. Tulayb bin Umayr radiallahu anhu, he embraces Islam. He goes to his mom. Family ties. You've got connections with family ties. Use those family ties to help the deen of Allah. 
Another Sahabi of Rasulullah Sallallahu they've been trained like this. They've been molded and groomed like this. He goes to his mother, he's like, Mom, you're not going to consider becoming a Muslim as well? I mean, your uncles have done it. Your uncle, excuse me, your brother, Hamza radiallahu anhu, the uncle of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi the son of Abdul Muttalib, he's become a Muslim. She's like, no, I'm not interested. I'm going to first have to see what my sisters say, and then perhaps after that I'll think about it. They say, he says, um, okay. He says, you know what, mom, just say it, please. Just go to the Prophet, believe in him, say, She does it. She becomes a Muslim. Wonderful and excellent. Immediately, the narration is mentioned. Immediately after she becomes a Muslim, she begins to invest her time and effort in assisting Rasulullah and inspires her son to do exactly the same. The end of the hadith, and I translate, to help establish the deen of Allah. She just became a Muslim though. And right away, like the narrator mentioned, she just became a Muslim. It's already there that this is what I need to do. Whatever Allah has blessed me and you with, I need to help Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's deen. Another, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he goes and we know, he used to talk to his mother. He used to try to invite his mother towards Islam. She wasn't interested. She wasn't having it. And she used to she hurl these comments and pass these comments. And one day she said something not so nice about the Prophet So he starts crying. He goes back to the Prophet to complain to him. He's like, Ya Rasulullah, can you like make dua? I mean, imagine. What's he going to use now to help establish the deen of Allah? A dua. You, if I were in the presence of a giant scholar... I would be so selfish in taking that whole dua and keeping it for myself, but he's using it for the hidayat of his mother. The dua of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Ya Rasulullah, make dua for my mother. He makes dua, he goes back, Allah makes, you know, mysterious ways, she becomes a Muslim. They use whatever they possibly have, whatever Allah has blessed them with, status, yep, their time, their effort, yep, the dua of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi yes, trust, They've been sent as a representative from a tribe to go to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He comes to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi He starts asking him all of these questions. He tells him straight, "I'm gonna be very straight up. I hope you're, you're not offended." Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi says, "No." So he asks him the questions. I asked you by Allah. Were you really sent by Allah to us? Yes. Were you sent to tell us not to worship anybody but Allah subhanahu wa taala alone? Yes. Were you sent with five salats and the fasting and the Hajj and the other fundamentals of Islam? Yes. All right. He accepts Islam. Right away he goes back and he starts to, like with words, verbally, he starts to destroy everything else that his people are then worshipping. Again, it's mind-boggling. They've only become Muslim. We've been Muslim for, 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 for a long period of time. They've only become Muslims now, yet they've taken what, like this worry, I don't know how, this metaphysics. Rasulullah sallam's that that restlessness has already been transferred to them. Boom, they go right back, they get to work, and this is it. Whatever I have, this is what is going to be invested for. Ikrimah radiallahu anhu, he becomes a Muslim. After becoming a Muslim, what does he say? I have taken upon myself so many expenses opposing the deen of Allah. I vow that I will, the day he embraces Islam, huh? I will double those expenses for the deen of Allah. I've already invested so much, I've spent so much, that was to oppose Allah's deen. Now that I've become a Muslim, I'm going to double whatever I've already spent to help establish the deen of Allah. When Umair bin Wahab, oh man, Umair bin Wahab and Safwan bin Umayyah, these two are talking one day in the Hatim, 
I'm asked for five minutes, or maybe six. So they're talking in the Hatim, and you know, the Muslims had just defeated the disbelievers in Badr, and it was bad. And like they're sitting there talking, like, you know, after they took 70 of us and threw us inside of the well, they're called Ashabul Qalib, the people of the well. 70 of them were the dead ones, they were thrown inside. Nonetheless, they're sitting there, like, yeah, after those deaths, like, life really sucks. It's like, yeah. And then, so Omer bin Wab's like, you know, honestly, if it weren't for A, my family, and B, these loans that I have to take care of, I go to Medina right now and just like finish them off. Ma'adullah, the Prophet Safwan's like, okay, you know what? If that's the case, I take care of your family like, to, like I take care of mine. And your debts, they're mine. You go, take care of business, I'll take care of whatever's bothering you here. Amir's like, really? It's like, deal. He's like, Safwan says, nobody's going to come to find out of that, about this, huh? Absolutely nobody. Deal. He takes his sword, Umayr bin Wahab, and sharpens it and poisons it. Off he goes. He's all excited. He's about to execute his plan in his dreams. He comes to Medina to Manawara. Who does he see? Umar bin Khattab. <laughs> plan aborted. <laughs> he sees Umar bin Khattab. Umar sees him. This dog, this enemy of Allah. What's he doing? He up to no good. You see a sword hanging from his neck. So anyways, again, we have to fast forward. Eventually, Umar grabs him by his collar and by the, the handle of his sword, basically drags him to the Prophet ﷺ, brings him close. Rasulullah ﷺ tells Umar, Allahu Akbar. He says, Umar, da'ahu ya Umar, leave him. Umair, he tells Umair, the disbeliever, he says, udnu ya Umair, you come close. Umar, you leave him. Umair, you come close. Like, what's up? He says, Anam Sabahan, good morning. He goes, We don't use good morning. We use Assalamu alaikum, the greetings of Jannah. He's like, Oh, my bad. I don't know. I'm new to this stuff. Enough. Say less. <laughs> he says, Listen, what are you here for? He goes, Well, my son, whose name happens to be Wahab, Wahab bin Umayr ibn Wahab, he's been held a captive by you Muslims. I was here to just try to ask you, uh, I was going to ask you to try to take it easy on him. The Prophet says, Oh, what about this sword that's hanging in your neck? He goes, ah, forget these swords, man. They don't do us any good anyways. The Prophet ﷺ says, Umair, tell me honestly, what brought you here? He goes, that's it. I mean, nothing else, man. My son, just please be nice to my son. He goes, what about when you, the Prophet ﷺ says, when you and Safwan bin Umayyah were sitting in the Hatim and having this discussion and plotting to kill me, and you told him you had your family and your loans to take care of. He said, they're mine. You got nothing to worry about? Umair says, Ashadu annaka Rasulullah. Oh, there's no way anybody but Allah told you exactly what trans transpired there and then. We used to never believe in anything that you ever said coming to you from the heavens and this divine revelation. Hey, I know for a hundred percent, it's a fact. This was given to you by Allah. Anyways, Umar said regarding this individual, before he embraced Islam, a pig was more beloved to me. Today, I don't know if he's more beloved to me or my very own children. He embraces Islam. What's the first thing that he does? Now remember, this is a man who you can't imagine what he did against the Muslims in Badr. And he was also sent as espionage, as a spy, to go estimate and count the numbers of the Muslims. This was a man who was number one in causing mischief and wreaking havoc against the Muslims. But now, just become a Muslim. He says, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, I made tremendous efforts to extinguish the light of Islam 
to harm Allah, to harm the messenger, and to harm the deen. I vow that I will go back to Mecca and make every effort to help Islam and call the people to Allah. That's what we were expected to do. Very frankly, I mean, we can go on, but this is our job. And this is what is asked of every single, at your own, in your own realm, in your own walk of life, to your own ability. Whatever you have, and you know what you have, whatever Allah's blessed us with, use it to help Allah's deen. May Allah give us the understanding.